Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. The reason we became Christians was because God healed our spiritual blindness. There are many today, and we don't totally understand this, but it's still true. You're listening to the Word. It's nice words, but it doesn't seem to make sense to you. We'll go home and talk to people and we'll say, you know, we came to church on a Saturday night, we'll come on a Sunday night, and we go in Bible study, we have small groups that we meet. Well, why do you spend all your time doing that? What a waste of time. It's okay for you, but it doesn't mean anything to me. The reason is, is their eyes are blinded. Imagine you're trying to build a shed. You have the directions, but it's clearly a two-person job. There are neighbors on both sides of you who are master carpenters. But you don't call them. You decide to just sit there with the directions. Many of us know about Jesus. We have a Bible, but we neglect to call on Him for help. With Him, we can discern the Word and apply it to our lives, building a strong faith. If we don't call on someone more knowledgeable about construction, the shed won't get built. If we don't accept Jesus, nothing will get accomplished. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We will be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 46, with part one of our message entitled, An Eye-Opening Experience. How many of you have ever been ice fishing? A Floridian visiting the north for the very first time decided to go ice fishing. Being from Florida, it was very strange, but he'd read some books on the subject, talked to some friends, got all the necessary, quote, tools together, and headed toward the nearest frozen lake. After positioning himself on his little comfy footstool, he started to make this cut that you do. I've been ice fishing and circular cut in the ice and suddenly from the sky he hears this, there are no fish under the ice. Startled, he picked up his chair and moved down the ice a different section, got his thermos of cappuccino and started to cut another hole. Again from the heavens he heard this same voice and the same message, there are no fish under the ice. Now he was quite worried, so he picked up his stool and all the stuff and went to the opposite end of the ice, set up his stool, and began to try to cut this circular hole so he could fish, and the voice once more said, there are no fish under the ice. He stopped, contemplated, looked skyward, and he said, is that you, Lord? The voice replied, no, I'm the ice rink manager. Now that's stupid, isn't it? But See, Jesus called us to be fishers of men. But sometimes we fish in the wrong place. Many churches today believe the place you fish for lost people is inside the walls of the church. There are very few fish inside the church. Fishing for men must be done in the marketplace of life. And we'll see once again that Jesus takes his disciples 
and he teaches them about soul winning. It's going to be in the context of a physical healing, but we'll relate that also to a spiritual healing. We're going to see three specific eye-opening experiences. One of those, in addition, will be for you and for me. Let's look at verse 46, Mark chapter 10. I have eight things for you to write down, so make sure you have plenty of room. Number one, without Jesus, you are going nowhere. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, begging. Pretty common sight. Jericho of the Old Testament days, that city had been destroyed, you know. There was some ruins there, and so probably some people, many people think this is where Bartimaeus was sitting, and Jesus was getting ready to come into the new Jericho, which was a, a palace, a city that Herod the Great built in the time of Jesus, and used it as kind of a, a winter palace. It's a beautiful place, Jericho, and it was certainly at that time very popular and a wealthy place. It's about 18 miles, 15 to 18 miles from where Jesus was finally headed into Jerusalem. Look back in verse 46 and it says, Then they came to Jericho. The they is probably the disciples, certainly. A large crowd of Jews that would always be following Jesus when he went on the roads. And probably in that group would be some who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but many others who were skeptics. Sitting beside the road as they walked along, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus. Interesting that the Bible, Mark, uses his name, and many people believe that because they believe in the time of Mark, which is many years after Jesus died, that Bartimaeus was still alive and or had been known in the church. In other words, his salvation, his healing took, and he became a disciple. So they used this name to bring back those people who had probably heard his testimony in the days of Mark. He positioned himself, obviously, on the busy road that he could, as we do. 7-Elevens do that today. They try to get the best corners. Well, Bartimaeus would get the best corner because he's looking for alms. It's the way they survived his hopeless life. Now, our passage is going to speak about physical healing. It's also great to know that God doesn't only heal physically, but he heals spiritually. And anytime you see blindness in the Bible, you can equate it to a spiritual application, which is spiritual blindness. And we're going to see a spiritual healing also by Jesus. Now take your finger there and mark and hold it there and turn back a few books to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We need to understand what spiritual blindness is and how it comes about in my life and in your life. Paul tells us that the ruler of the world today is Satan. Now, Jesus overall has authority over the world, but he has relinquished part of that authority to Satan. Nothing happens in this world, this world without the permission of God. But there are plenty of things that Satan is doing. We know that, and when we get to the book of Daniel, you'll see that even more with prayer. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 tells us about blindness, spiritual blindness. And it reads like this, and even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the unsaved. The God of this age, who is Satan, has blinded the what? Minds. Now, let's stop for a moment. We told you that we are body, 
soul, and spirit. And the soul is made up of the mind and the will and the emotions. And we told you that the battleground for your spirituality is always where? The mind. So what is Satan blinded? The mind. Should make sense to you. Satan has blinded the minds of who? Unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So what that means is this, that when you and I became Christians, the reason we became Christians was because God healed our spiritual blindness. There are many today, and we don't totally understand this, but it's still true. You're listening to the word. It's nice words, but it doesn't seem to make sense to you. We'll go home and talk to people and we'll say, you know, we came to church on a Saturday night and we'll come on a Sunday night and we go in Bible study. We have small groups that we meet. Well, why do you spend all your time doing that? What a waste of time. It's okay for you, but it doesn't mean anything to me. The reason is, is their eyes are blinded to the gospel. They're blinded in a number of ways and we'll share those this morning. But one of the things they're definitely blinded about is this that eternity is in view. You see, Satan just wants us to focus on here, today. So all my concerns are about how I'm going to get through next week. Next week really doesn't matter, because eternity is in view. So blind Bartimaeus is sitting by this road, blinded like every other sinner, except he's also blinded physically. He's there. There's a lot of activity in his life. Every day he's doing many things, but he's going nowhere. You see, without Jesus this morning, you're absolutely going nowhere. You say, well, no, I've been all over and I have frequent flyer miles and I've been doing this and that and the other. I'm not talking about that. Spiritually, you're going absolutely nowhere. There is an emptiness and a void in your life. Point number two, back in Mark, chapter 10, verse 47, Jesus brings excitement to life. And when he heard, Bartimaeus, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I had to put yourself in the shoes of this blind man. He couldn't see. But all those years, because he couldn't see, there were other senses that became very sharp. He was used to picking up by hearing because he couldn't see lots of neat things. So on a normal day, he'd hear the people going by, and it'd be interesting to get a, if he could write what he'd heard as a blind man there, people not paying any attention to him, all the stuff he heard. But on this day, there was something else happening. All of a sudden, he's hearing in, with his sharpened ears some turmoil, some tremendous excitement, some, some happiness and some joy, and people, just lots and lots of people, masses of people. What is this? So he begins to ask, and he says, there's some, there's some excitement in the crowd. What's happening? Who is the Herod here? Is the king here? What, what's, what's all the excitement about? And the people respond back, well, Jesus is here. Where Jesus is, there is excitement. That's true. Isn't it exciting to know that when we come and God speaks to our hearts, it's just fun to come to church. I love to come to church. I love to be around God's people. So this is what happened. Now Mark tells us that he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. Because of that, he yelled out. Point number three is this. The true reputation of Jesus is changed lives. Now how did Bartimaeus know about the healing 
reputation of Jesus. Well, no doubt he'd heard many people, because his hearing was acute again, people would go by, no doubt he heard many people say, have you heard about Jesus? He healed this person, he cast the demon out, he made bread, and he provided food, and he did this, and he, he challenged the Pharisees, and he heard all these things, so he'd heard about this. But if he had any religious background at all, keep your finger right there in Mark and turn back one book to the book of Luke. And you'll see that anybody that studied the Old Testament knew that when the Messiah came, there was kind of a job description for the Messiah. They knew how he was going to fit. So in Luke 4.18, we have a verse that is really a Scripture from the Old Testament. I'll read it to you. It's, it's from Isaiah. You don't have to turn there, but you might want to write it down next to Luke 4.18. You might want to write down Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Here's what it says in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now in Luke 4.18, Jesus stands and he he reads this Old Testament prophecy, which is, again, a job description of the Messiah. In other words, this was what the Messiah was going to do when he would come. So Jesus reads there in 4.18 in the synagogue, Well, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of what? Sight to the blind and to release the oppressed. And then Jesus sat down and basically just before he sat down, he said, this scripture has been fulfilled today. In other words, I am the Messiah. And as you begin to watch me now, I will fulfill this job description. This ministry will be fulfilled in me. So no doubt Bartimaeus heard about actual healings, but if he knew anything about the reputation of Jesus, and he believed this was the Messiah, he knew that Jesus could heal him. That's why he was shouting out. Now, that reminds us, if you look there, just look at 418 for a second, to release the oppressed. Look back before that. To proclaim freedom for the who? The prisoners. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about prison camp or whatever. When we're born, we're born into this as a picture, a, a jungle of sin. And we're in this jungle, and we're captives of Satan. We think we're living a free life, but we're really not living a free life. And in that area, we work and do our things and whatever, but something's always wrong. We're oppressed. We don't have joy. We, we don't really know what life's all about. Into that prison camp, one day came Jesus. And he said to the prisoners, if you'd like to follow me, I'm going to just weld this path to freedom over here. And as I do, if you'll follow me, and by your choice, you come to this area of freedom, you can be removed from this captivity. I've come to set the captives free. This is Jesus. So see, sin always enslaves. You're in bondage. So Jesus is saying, and you get a picture there as you look at that verse, I'm going to be the one that needs to share with you that there is a, a road to freedom. Now Bartimaeus is sitting there and Jesus is coming by and he goes, Jesus, healing 
Freedom. These things are rolling through his mind. Now, Jesus then goes back to heaven after our story and after we finish the book of Mark. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God today. And here's all these people at, at our workplace, school, neighborhood, maybe a few sitting in the church who have come that aren't Christians yet. Who's going to tell them that there's a path to freedom? You see, the reputation of Jesus is why Bartimaeus screamed out. If Jesus was just a great teacher, you wouldn't have heard anything. But he knew he could meet his need. What is the reputation of Jesus among the world today? At best, a great teacher. They don't realize they're in bondage. Well, who's going to tell them that the emptiness of their life can be fulfilled? Who's going to tell them? We're the ones that are going to tell them. You and I, we've been given that responsibility, but really it's a tremendous freedom to do that. You and I are the ones that are going to tell those people. Now, how are we going to tell them? The best way to share with your neighbors, your friends, and those that don't know the Lord is by your personal testimony. Sometimes we want to become too full of theology. We want to have all these things, and we'll talk a little more about that later. But the best thing you can do is like the blind man who was healed in the book of Acts. He said, well, once I was blind, but now I see. That's about all I know. It's the simplicity of God's changing your life. It's a personal testimony. Could you state to somebody who stopped and asked you today, could you remember back when you were in the jungle of sin? How many can remember back then? What it was like? Is it different today? Oh, it's different today. Now, some of it's been a long time, hasn't it? So we don't remember back too well. We need to stop and remember back a little bit. I was teaching singles, and I got a great testimony from a gal, and she came up to me and she said, I just sent a tape of one of your services to a guy that I knew in another state or whatever. He'd been away from the Lord. And he called her, basically in the phone in the last couple of weeks, and said, because of that tape, I'm coming back to God. And here's what he said. I'm thinking, wow, this is good. I'm thinking, what point did he like or whatever? Here's what he said. When that pastor sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. He said, my mind basically went back to probably when he was a little kid. He went, wow, he got saved. So it was my great teaching that caused that. <laughs> it was a song we sing in kids' church. Why? Because the love of God changed his life, see? See, God knows. We're not going to give you 17 points, and it's good to do that. We need to study the Word of God. But see, God can use anything, and he loves to use personal testimony. So a little chorus changed a grown man's heart to become soft again. Knowing about Jesus, point number four, is not the same as knowing Jesus personally. Knowing about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus personally. Now, like Bartimaeus, much of the world certainly today knows, quote, about Jesus. Satan, who is a great deceiver, has convinced many sinners that knowing about Jesus is enough, or going to church is enough, or taking communion is enough, or being a good person is enough. But the Bible says 
It takes more to be a Christian than knowing about Jesus. A pastor was leading a small Bible study, and here's the way it reads. Years ago, a girl I knew from high school started coming to a Bible study I was leading. She learned the songs and started talking like us, started hanging around us. One day I said to her, I'm sure glad you're part of our group. She responded, I love it. And he said, I I was just wondering, have you ever come to the point of committing your life to Christ so that you know you're forgiven of your sins? Turned to the high school student and she said this, no, I've never done that. And she said, no one ever told me I needed to do that. You see, she had become part of the group. She was worshiping, she was singing, she was studying the Bible. She knew about Jesus, but she didn't know Jesus personally. The pastor said, well, I've learned that we have to keep spelling out the basis. So he said, I approached her and I said to her, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior right now? And she said, yes, and she did. You see, there's a great difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus personally in your life. If you don't know what it means to be a Christian, here's what it is. You have to acknowledge your sins, your sins. Then you have to recognize that Jesus died, as we talked about on the cross this morning, for your sins. And then you have to repent which means you say, I'd like to go another way, and we'll see Bartimaeus do that. I'm going to go God's way, not my way, because sin is really my will versus God's will. And then after you repent, you receive Jesus Christ into your life. See, he comes into your life. So you're not just knowing about him, but he becomes part of you. Look back at Mark chapter 10, verse 48. As he was shouting, it says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But what did he do? He, he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, the Jews, the religious people following Jesus, were probably headed for the Passover at Jerusalem. They had already decided what Jesus was going to do. Certainly, he was not going to spend time with a beggar. So they were trying to shield Jesus from a person they had written off. How interesting that religious people can actually be barriers to those trying to come to God. I'll tell you how you can be a barrier as a religious person. Go to people and say to them, you're going to hell without showing God's love. You know, hell is a realism. But if you follow Jesus, he won people through love. How do you know that? Well, the Bible tells me he came into the world because he loved the world. And the next verse says he didn't come to what? Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world in general today is a barrier to Jesus. Today we heard the story of blind Bartimaeus who went to Jesus seeking healing for his blindness. He knew Jesus could fix what was wrong, just like all of us need him to open our eyes and change our lives. Jesus' mission here on earth was to bring people to the Lord, not just the knowledge of the gospel, but to see them come to know him 
personally. As we heard, that is still the purpose of the gospel, to change lives through Jesus. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we will hear more about the story of Jesus healing the blind man Bartimaeus. The crowd will attempt to stop Bartimaeus from going to Jesus because he's just a blind beggar. But his desperation will motivate him to push further. He'll recognize his need for Jesus, and Pastor Mark will explain how his actions relate to where many people are in their lives. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.